right, and welcome in to the November 8th edition of the first edition of the Suspended Indefinitely podcast. My name is Justin Reschke. I'm here with our co-host Ryan Noonan for this evening. How are we doing? Uh, doing good, bro. How are you? I'm good, but I'm good. It's the inaugural episode. It's a big deal. I'm excited. It is a big deal. We uh, we dabbled a little bit in podcasting, uh, I think, back during the pandemic. A couple of- I think it was in 2020, I think, right? Yeah, I think it was about this time in 2020, actually, because you were down here for something, and we decided, mm. ah, you know, let's try it out. And that actually went pretty well. Um, I was, you know, you know I thought pretty it easy to pick up. Well. Yeah, no, dude, well, you know, first of all, the setup that you had for it was really impressive, and um, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a better setup for us because we're going to both be comfortable in a seat, you know, sitting comfortably versus having to be hunched over like we were before, you know? So yeah, I think it's easier, really, even though we're across the country, you know, it's easier to do it, to do it this way where we yeah. each kind of got our own setup going on. So, and Absolutely. it took us two years to actually figure out how to get a good quality recording, uh, coast to coast. Boy, that's for sure. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so this is going to be uh, part of a bigger project. Uh, Long balls and loggers is, uh, sort of a passion project of ours. And, uh, it's, uh, combining two of our favorite things. It's combining, sports which uh yep. you know something that you and i and christine and alex and everybody that we know and care about love just a little bit you know mm-hmm. uh mixed with uh something that we all do most of us do pretty well and that's doing a little bit of drinking you know just a little bit yeah um got to got some bourbon going here uh oh nice what do you got what are you packing over there little tx whiskey oh you got the tx whiskey you i did devil mm-hmm. They actually had it uh, in Colorado when we were out there um, last week, so had to had to bring a bottle home as uh, much you as sneak, you sneaky devil. I dude, I remember when Hurricane Ian hit, and I just frantically went over to um, Total Wine and I got like literally anything that was there, and I I will never forget finding that bottle of TX whiskey and like texting you. Just mm-hmm. out of nowhere, going, dude, 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 look what I found! Oh man, I freaked it out. It needs to make its way out to California because I've it, seen it. I've seen it. I think in Arizona and yeah. in Vegas is as far west as I've seen it. So, you know, yeah. maybe maybe we need to get them to officially sponsor the show uh, so we can get you know a case out here or something. Wouldn't that Wouldn't that be nice, dude? I mean, I'm, <laughs> eventually, I mean, when yeah, we, when, when we have more than you know four four or five listeners. That's that's true. I mean, I uh, you know, you got the good stuff over there. I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of packing a little bit of something over here to commemorate a big night. You know, the Zara inaugural episode, and um, I I got the uh, I got the Balvenie Doublewood Scotch going tonight. Oh, there you go. That's that's a favorite too. Yeah, that yeah, and I th- I'm pretty sure you're the one that got me started on Balvenie when I was down visiting you one time. I I recall that. Yeah, I recall. Yeah, that. dude, that's oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm saving. I'm saving my Lagavulin for like a really special occasion. But, mm-hmm. dude, this Balvenie is just unbelievable. Well, good. I'm glad that uh, you got something good because we got uh, about an hour or so ahead of us. Um, Roger that. Format of this thing, you know, the the two kind of dry runs, the fuck around runs that we did a couple years ago ran a little bit, yeah. you know, on the longer side. But we're going to try and keep this to right about an hour each week. For now, it'll be recorded on Tuesday evening, so we fit the full slate of NFL action from the previous weekend into it. Um, It'll be released Wednesday mornings uh, going forward, and 
of course, on all the major, you know, platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, et cetera. Um, Can't forget Google Play. I mean, yeah, Google, that's of course. Yeah, of course, for all the green texters out there. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we're working with a great uh, hosting platform. Um, hopefully everything will be a little bit cleaner. Uh, they've got some really good editing software built in as well, and they take care of all the hosting and all the, uh, and you know, putting it out there, top to bottom. Really, service. really awesome. find. Yes. Um, so I'm looking forward to this, but yeah, look, look for it Wednesday mornings. Um, going forward, at least during football season, we might switch it up after football season, uh, just to incorporate as much you know sports and discussion for the week as possible. But um, you know, speaking of football. Uh, we just concluded a crazy weekend, one of the craziest weekends we've had uh, in college football in a long, long time, in in many, many years. Um, so I want to jump right into that. You know, being a big football, college football guy specifically, we're both big college football guys. That's probably for sure. probably more so than we are NFL guys, I would say, um, just because of you know me being a graduate of the Ohio State University and being a Buckeye and you graduating from Auburn University uh, down right. there in the great state of Alabama. That's right. Um, the, the great state of Alabama. You darn the great right. state. There's a lot going on with both of our programs that we'll kind of get into, you know, going forward. I really hate to say it uh, for your sake, but we are kind of on, you know, polar opposite ends of the college football spectrum at this point. But That's um, true. Auburn can jump back up there. Uh, very, very quickly, and we all know that Ohio State can shit the bed, um, yeah. you know, just as quickly, if not quicker, as evidenced by losses over the years to right. Iowa, uh, team up North State. Oh, um, I forget who else has ruined our seasons uh, along the way, but um, well, either way. As you, I want to, as you recall, though, dude, remember I told you that before every show, I'm going to try to have at least one person that I'm going to say, you know what? Mm-hmm. You're suspended indefinitely for this <laughs> entire show because you're stupid. Right. And because you did something boneheaded and your whatever is the reason. Right. So mm-hmm. I had a list of people that that was going to be the case. And I finally figured out who I'm going to suspend indefinitely for our inaugural episode. You're going to love it. Who you got? I am going to suspend indefinitely Nicholas Saban. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I was, I was looking up some stats for Alabama and they, I think the stat was they're like they were seven points away from being five and four, right? At this point of the season, that's insane for a Nick Saban team. And it's watching them play week in and week out because I've seen a lot of Alabama football this season so far. Um, right. It's it doesn't look like a Nick Saban team. They they don't really have an identity on defense. Everyone right. thought that Will Anderson coming in, you know, he was going to be a, a consensus number one overall pick. Um, I mean, he was even in the Heisman talks early on as a defensive player, which is, you know, insane. Um, A lot of hype around him. He was really going to be one of the more exciting players in the entire country, and he was really going to be the identity of that whole defense. And Alabama, they've always had a good defensive line. They haven't really lived and died on the the pass rush, but um, always strong linebacker play, extremely strong secondary play, uh, lockdown corners. um, Yeah. NFL ready safeties every single year. And, you know, what right. they always did really well was they dissected, they let the play come to them, and they tackled whenever the fuck they needed to, all over the field, sideline to well, sideline. 
Absolutely. And I know you wanted to get to Clemson losing to Notre Dame first, but um, I, I'm no, no, fuck my... it. This is good. It doesn't matter. We don't you have want to a... do that. All right. That's no, no, no. no. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't have a producer or anything, so we can do whatever right. the hell we want. All so, right. Well then we can, we can, flip you want to dive in, you want to dive in with Alabama. We can dive right in with Alabama. That's fine. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, yeah, watching, uh, watching ahead. that team play, they, they don't have really an identity on defense outside of, you know, maybe some strong safety play, which is always a staple, but um, you know, teams are able to throw the ball against them. They're really able to run the ball against them. Uh, Will Anderson, for whatever reason, is not getting into the backfield as consistently as he was able to uh, last season, and he's, he's not sure really... running his mouth though. Oh yeah, of course he still is, but you know that's that's what he does. That's what anybody you know in that situation yeah. uh, would do. So they're they're wide receivers. You know they've had stud wide receivers every single year for for at least the last five or six years going back. Well, to Alabama, as much as it pains me to say it, is wide receiver university, and I, I feel well, I mean behind a, behind the Ohio State. University, of course. Well, no, Ohio, the Ohio State is DB University. I think we established that. Yeah, we're also that too. Oh, I we're also that too. Everything University. What was I thinking? Except for quarterbacks. Except for mm. quarterbacks. Although Justin Fields, you know, who knows? But well, yeah, I got Alabama. I tell you this, dude. Yeah, go ahead. I got. I got to tell you. Um, the The reason why I want to suspend Nick Saban indefinitely for this entire show. Um, is because um, he is just feeling a little, I think, you got to look at his demeanor, right? You got to look at his demeanor, and this is the most stressed out I've ever seen him in the 15 years that he's been tormenting my life as the head coach of the Alabama football team, right? He looks like he's stressed out and that he needs to sit down and just take a nap. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Now, he, why do I want to suspend him? Because first of all, he is darn lucky they didn't lose four games this season. They could have. Okay. Yeah, they they certainly could have. You know, a couple overtime games in there, and right. Um, you know, obviously yeah. the overtime loss this this past Saturday. The loss to Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that was that was LSU. I'm sorry. But yeah, LSU. Yeah. Remember the controversy that came when. Um, the the uh, the Alabama player struck that Tennessee fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that player should have never played in the next game. But Nick Saban, being Nick Saban, could have done the right thing, made that guy sit out, set an example, but he didn't do it. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I mean, it was, you know, I guess there was more that transpired outside of what was only seen on video, and he only saw yeah. the second half of it. So you could chalk it up to Nick Saban, you know, supporting his player, or you could chalk it up to, a missed opportunity yeah, to really make an example out of somebody and say, Hey, you know, we don't tolerate any of that at this program, regardless of the reason, I guess the contrast would be uh, the tunnel incident, the infamous tunnel incident between those two teams up North that just just can't figure out, you know, how to walk off the field when the game's over. But um, yeah, I mean, Michigan state suspends, you know, I think now it's up to at least eight players. Is Um, it up to eight now? Yeah, it's at least up to eight. They suspended four at first, and then they suspended another group of four um, indefinitely, I might add. Cheap plug. Um, but <laughs> I see yeah, so yeah, it's up to eight players now, and um, I there's criminal charges involved. Um, one of the Michigan State players at the middle of it, I forget his name, has lawyered up, and now they're saying that, you know, uh, that 
one of the Michigan guys came in helmet swinging first, and that's going to go back and forth. But Mel Tucker handled that extremely well, in my opinion, by just saying, okay, here are the four guys that we have on camera from this one camera angle that that came out on Twitter, like within minutes of it happening. Those guys, they're suspended. Then, you know, a couple days later, they got the ESPN footage of, you know, the the, the hard camera in the tunnel. And they said, okay, you know, we've identified some other players. They're also suspended. And Michigan right. State, I mean, they're not playing for anything this season. You know, they're, they really stumbled out of the gate, losing record. Um, they're really not playing for much except for maybe a cheap bowl game, you know, here or there at this point. So Alabama, on the other hand, you know, at the time, they were still playing for – a national championship. And even, even after that loss to Tennessee, they were still in that national championship picture because you, you know, that, you know, one of Georgia and Tennessee was going to end up with a loss. And you know, that one of Ohio state and Michigan was going to end up with a loss. So all of a sudden they're right back there in that, in that picture of one loss teams. So you don't want to sacrifice, you know, one of your big pieces if you don't have to, but I think that he should have been suspended at least for a half you know, you come out and say, okay, he's suspended for the first half of, you know, whatever their next game was. Um, oh, see, I thought it's different. Mississippi I thought he State. Been suspended a few games, dude. I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just hard. I mean, it was, you could, it's, it's not like he went out of the way to attack somebody. You know, he had a phone shoved in his face when he's trying to leave, leave the field and he kind of, you know, pushed, pushed that person, you know, back. It wasn't a full on like sucker punch. You know, it was, but it was still yeah. a, it was still a strike, you know. Either way that you kind of look at it, but either way, I mean, and he, and the thing is too, dude. Like when you're in a high profile position, like a, a football player on the, you know, one of the, I hate to say it, preeminent teams in this country, you have to learn that everybody's got a camera everywhere. Yeah, you exactly. always always assume you're being recorded everywhere, right? But, yeah, I'm sure that you know he. I'm sure that he got a talking to. I well, I mean, you better. Would you want to be on the end of a Nick Saban ass chewing? I wouldn't. <laughs> no, but anyways, um, that that was so. That was my soapbox about why I'm suspending him indefinitely. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to become a thing. I thought it was hilarious. So whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, Alabama two loss team. Don't really see a path back for them to. Uh, to the college football playoff, but you know, certainly still on track. I would think for a New Year's Six Bowl, um, a lot of the projections actually have them facing Clemson uh, in one of those New Year's Six Bowls that's outside of the playoff, obviously. But um, yeah, just transitioning to Clemson. Um, I watched. Well, and then you, know, you, you brought up an interesting point, real quick, and then we can move on to Clemson. Mm-hmm. What you said about the New Year's Six Bowl in Alabama. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring that back up later when it comes to talking about um, the Auburn coaching search and what's going on with uh, the Auburn football team and just that dumpster fire of a situation that's going on. Mm-hmm. So um, for anybody that listens to this, we're gonna cover some more about that later. I'm gonna kind of bridge the gap there. But anyways, continue. Yeah, but um, yeah, projected right now to face Clemson. Um, one what's your loss team. On that? Ah, uh, fucking, I don't know, ESPN or some shit, whatever I saw today after the gotcha. after the latest rankings came out just about a couple hours ago here. Um, yeah, but uh, projected to face Clemson right now, Clemson is now a one-loss team, and I didn't really think that Clemson was going to run the table. A lot of people did. Um, you know, 
DJ, I'm going to butcher his name, but ukulele. Um, I'm just going to call him DJ ukulele because I don't like him at all. Um, I think he's overrated, and that's going to be his You're name. You're taking the Skip Bayless approach of butchering people's names and thinking it's hilarious. Perfect. I don't think it's hilarious. I just don't really care for learning the, pronun- the correct pronunciation. So, I understand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he got benched, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he comes out. The offense was lethargic against Notre Dame. Uh, this past Saturday and just top to bottom, that team didn't really have playoff contender kind of written on it. I didn't see a whole lot from them. Um, you know, the entire first half and really the first three quarters of the Syracuse game, um, they were pretty, you know, lethargic, uh, couldn't, couldn't, you know, finish off drives. Um, not necessarily three and outs. They were able to kind of move the ball a little bit here and there, but you know, when push came to shove, they, you know, got shut down pretty quickly. Um, Mm. And same thing kind of with the defense for them, too. It really hasn't been there. Uh, Notre Dame's offense is anemic. And it got to a point where, you know, even Notre Dame was able to run the ball um, against them a little bit and throw it and ultimately get the job done. So, Well, calling their offense anemic, I think, is being gentle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, really, it's insulting to people with anemia. Um, well, but Tommy Reese is an offensive coordinator. I, I mean, I just the guy is is like beyond predictable. Yeah, it's and it's tough. I mean, they're they're playing with their number two quarterback at this point, but he's he's number two on paper. Like he's not really there's not much of a you know drop off in skill set. I don't think. Um, but they've had a few quarterback changes, haven't they, so far? Yeah, they had one guy get hurt, you know, early in the season, and they've kind of bounced oh, yeah, bounced around a little bit. But it's not. You know, it's not like they have a superstar there or anything to work with. You know, they don't have a CJ Stroud or a, a Hooker or a Bryce Young um, or, you know, a Bo Nix who's emerging in Oregon as, as one of the top quarterbacks in the country right now. Yeah, I know. Don't remind me. Yeah. Um, they don't have a guy like that, you know. So um, they're doing the best with what they have. And Marcus Freeman was thrown into the situation, you know, pretty abruptly. Um when yeah. Brian Kelly left and took off for LSU. But really good performance from Notre Dame. That's a statement win on a bad season for them, and that's one that they can build off of for years to come. Mm. Um, but for Clemson, I don't know if it's going to be the last regular season loss that we see out of Clemson this season. Um, I thought Clemson was ex- extremely overrated. I still think that they're overrated as a one-loss team. Um, yeah, but dude, here's what you got to think about, though. How much did they lose to the draft when Trevor Lawrence went pro? Yeah, I mean he was he was the guy, but they had DJ Ugalele coming in well, as, yeah. as the best guy in the country for his recruiting class. So well, they also so they lost Travis Etienne, they lost they lost um, Trevor Lawrence, they lost a whole ton of guys. But you know who I put some of this these losses on and kind of the still performances? You got to put it on Dabo Sweeney. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, and I'm gonna tell you. Well, I'm gonna tell you why I'm gonna put it on Dabo Sweeney, okay? Because I don't remember what show this was on, so I can't give credit to it because I don't want to, you know, misquote or miscredit anybody, right? Just Who cares? Back, right? <laughs> well, that's true. But um, let me let me tell you what I saw. I saw a clip where Dabo Sweeney had the opportunity mm-hmm. to recruit Arch Manning. Okay. Oh, yeah, and, of course. Everybody was in on March. Right. On Arch. But 
he basically almost walks by Arch Manning without even realizing that he's standing there. Okay. Right. And it seems to me that like, if, if it wasn't for somebody on his staff going, Hey coach, there's Arch Manning right over there. You know, he would have just not even realized it. I think it seems to me within the last year or two, I don't know how long it's been since Trevor Lawrence went pro and all those guys left Clemson. But it seems to me like Dabo Sweeney's kind of taken a bit of a la-di-da, lackadaisical approach to recruiting. And I think you're starting to see the results of that lackluster approach come out in these games on both sides of the ball, really, and all three facets of the game for Clemson. Well, at Clemson, he's not going to be able to compete with the NIL money that, you know, programs, Texas A&M, they're the poster boy. But also the University of Texas, um, also you know the University of, of Florida has a really big NIL program. Clemson um, doesn't have an NIL program. I'm sure that they do, but it's not. You know they're not going to pull in tens of millions of dollars in NIL money from donors and boosters. Okay, I got you. Um, and if they are, then I mean Dabo isn't taking advantage of it because you don't hear of you know oh yeah this guy got a. $1.5 million NIL deal to, to go to Clemson. Like you, you just don't see many of those stories, but you see him coming out of Alabama. You see him coming out of Texas all over the place. Uh, you see him coming out of Ohio state now. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. So it'll be interesting to see if Dabo is able to, you know, make an adjustment and recruit with an, with NIL money or not. Um, if he's able to hit up the transfer portal successfully as, you know, a lot of the top programs do these days or not um, and see kind of what he can do. But I want to ask you this. So Go ahead, dude. CFP rankings just came out a couple hours ago uh, here, Tuesday night. Um, yeah. Clemson, um, I don't, I didn't get a chance to look at him. Can you kind of go through maybe like an abbreviated version of it? Yeah. We'll just go top 10 here. So, okay. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, that team up north. Uh, number four, TCU. Okay, and you're so at this point, TCU right there. That's a joke. They're undefeated. Nine and zero. Nine yeah. and zero. Up three spots from seven. Uh, number five, Tennessee at one loss. First one loss team is Tennessee at number five. Number six, Oregon, uh, one loss. Uh, number seven, LSU, seven and two. Your first two loss team at number seven. Um, number eight, USC at eight and one. Number nine, it's seven and two, Alabama. Number 10, Clemson at eight and one. So I want to ask you. I have you, no problem with that top 10. I want to. Okay. So you're telling me that even though we spent the first way too long of the segment shitting all over Nick Saban, you're going to tell me that a seven and two Alabama team wouldn't knock off an eight and one USC team. I'm going to tell you that a seven and two Nick Saban team deserves every bit of where they are in the top 10 because their two losses could have easily been four losses so far this season. That's true. Not, That's a good point. That's a good they point. They have not been impressive <laughs> at all over the course of this entire season. Okay. All right. So next question. Okay. Seven and two LSU, eight and one Clemson. LSU is at seven. Clemson's all so, the way down there, one loss at 10. Okay, is that's that, a good point. That's a good that, point. Let me, start, let me start with 7-2 and two LSU. Okay? Yeah. Is that correct? Should LSU yes, be that high if you're going to stick Clemson that low? Because Clemson, well, they, were, they were a playoff team a couple weeks ago. Right. So no, how do you, how you, how do you put correct, them at, at 10? 
but I'm going to tell you why that's correct. Okay. Do it. Now you're going to hate every bit of what I'm going to say, but I don't really care. So, mm -hmm. um, seven and two LSU higher than eight and one Clemson, because even though, and I think this is again, being generous, Brian Kelly's start with LSU was about as much of a dumpster fire as anybody could have ever thought of. Okay. Mm -hmm. But look at, the wins that Brian Kelly has put together in his first year at LSU. Okay. He knocked off the Darth Vader of college football and Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I have no problem saying that out loud. You know, I don't have a lot of love for that. In fact, I have no love for that man. Okay. Um, and I don't care who knows it. I really give two shits about what people, you know, think about me that, you know, with what I think about Saban, whatever, I don't care. So um, look at all the wins that, um, that he's put together right away, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you have to look at, yeah, they've lost two games, okay? But look at the games that they've lost, okay? And I'm pulling up LSU's schedule right now, okay? Mm -hmm. As we speak. Um, the best win, of course, is going to be, um, you know, I think the Alabama win, even though it was an overtime win, okay? He blew the doors off of uh, uh, Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. All right. Um, he blew the door. Well, didn't really blow the doors off of Florida, but that was still a pretty impressive win. Um, he got his brains beaten in by, uh, and I shouldn't say he, I should say the whole team LSU got there, you know, by Tennessee. But look, look at what kind of a powerhouse Tennessee is that year. That's a good, that's an okay loss in my, in my book. Okay. Yeah. That loss looked really bad. I mean, not really bad. It was expected, but it looked worse being 40 to 13 when it happened. You know, that was a full month ago. Right. And, and think we'll about the team now, Tennessee though. was a month ago, but yeah, looking back at it now, it's like, okay. I mean, it was still a loss at home for LSU. Right. And the other loss they have again is Florida state from week yeah. one. Okay. So, but then when you're looking at, What's that? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say when I think about the level of competition that um, that Brian Kelly and LSU have faced this year, the fact that they're seven and two versus a Clemson team who, personally, in the ACC, there's inferior you know competition in the ACC versus the SEC or the Big Ten. I think you and I can both agree on that. Okay. Yeah, um, I, would, I would say so. So this is this is. LSU's record, and then I can I'll go through this very quickly because I know we're kind of coming up against it here. Okay, so they got the doors blown off by Notre Dame, which is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, they beat Syracuse, which was the number fourteen team in the country. Which when did that happen, by the way? Yeah, um, and that's you know that's another one that at the time it didn't look that great, but now it looks a little bit better that you know Syracuse was able to lead that game for the better part right. of like three or four quarters. Right, they beat. Florida State by less than a touchdown, six points, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing, and this is what a lot of people, I, I think, won't understand about this. There's not a lot of impressive wins on Clemson's record this year, okay? The only real impressive win that they've had, um, I guess, is going to be Syracuse because they were a top 15 team at the time, mm -hmm. right? You have to remember, Wake Forest back in the end of September was the 21st ranked team in the country. Yeah. Right? And Wake Forest took Clemson to double overtime. All right. And they lost 51 to that's 45 true. Clemson. Yeah. So that's again, true, yeah. that's why I think 
um, LSU belongs higher than Clemson in the top 10, just from when, when you compare all of those things. Yeah, okay. and LSU at the end of the day, they have a loss to you know a team that, that was sitting at number one for a period of time, yep. and they have a week one loss by one point to Florida State with a brand new coach. Um, when you know they really didn't have much of an identity going on, but since then they've right. been rolling, and you know, last two weeks in a row, knocking off number seven Ole Miss and number mm. six Alabama. So, you know, well, that's and, where and they were you know what, dude? At, at the time. You're absolutely right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but let me just no, say this. And, and here's the thing. I think we, we can sum this argument. I wouldn't call it an argument. I would call it, you know, a spirited conversation by saying one thing and one thing only, and that is the ACC had better be lucky that Clemson is still there. Otherwise, they'd be just as irrelevant as the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. The they can't touch the, the Big Ten, period. End of story. So any any matchups that you're looking forward to uh, coming up this weekend that might you know impact kind of that top ten that we just ran down? Oh, from the top ten? Oh, geez. Um, well, I mean, for selfish reasons, I was looking forward to uh, Auburn playing um, Texas A&M just coming off of last week, but we can get into that later. <laughs> talk um, about I'm gonna say, talk about two programs that I mean should be a lot higher, especially Texas A&M. They they should be hovering around that that top five to seven range yeah. with some of the talent that they have over there. But either way, I mean, yeah, I LSU goes goes to Arkansas. I was going to say down to Arkansas, but I guess they just go across to Arkansas. But they go to Arkansas. Arkansas, I think, is better than a five and four team, honestly. Well, so that so might Arkansas, be, that might be kind of a trap game for, for LSU. Yeah, Arkansas got beat by Liberty. They That's did, but but they they play some some decent football, you know. Now and then, they're they're very so, te- very technically sound. They're the Bret Hart of college football right now. Oh, and you throw the wrestling reference in there. Good job yeah. out of you, dude. Good but, job out of you. Okay, but obviously, Saturday three thirty Eastern, Alabama at Ole Miss. I mean, let me tell you, let me tell you something. And, and you asked me what which matchup I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. You just said it out loud. I'm looking forward to Alabama and Ole Miss for one reason and one reason only there is one man in this universe that knows how to antagonize nick saban and that's lane kiffin it is it is funny i want to say that what's that i said funny that you say that and i'm gonna tell you something else dude i like there's what i I just i want to see lane kiffin antagonize nick saban even further than nick saban's already been antagonized this year well Going on the road after a big loss to LSU, a season-ruining loss to LSU, mm-hmm. and losing to one of his assistant coaches, which I know was a big storyline for many years. Um, you know, he goes down there and he loses or goes up there and he loses to uh to Lane Kiffin. I mean, wow, you know, that would be um that would be crazy to think that a Nick Saban team could have three regular season losses. And two back-to-back yeah. losses, and yeah. one of them to a team that lost the first game of their season to a heavily unranked Florida State, and then another one to you know to Lane Kiffin, one of his assistant coaches, coaches where they had kind of a love-hate Levy on the tarmac type of relationship. Um, I mean that that would be interesting. That that might 
make Nick Saban really consider, okay, you know, is this really, really where I want to be right now? Is this, am I still like capable of coaching at a high level? But I mean, he's Nick fucking Saban. Like he's going to figure it out. Like, you know, he's going to figure it out. So I I think that he's going to come out. I think they're going to absolutely boat race Ole Miss and he's really going to want to make a statement. And I think that Ole Miss is going to get exposed. That's, that's how I see this game going. Well, and okay. So here's, well, first of all, we got to backtrack a second. I'm going to tell you why. Because we talked about the rankings. We talked about week 11 in college football this coming weekend, what are we looking for? But we forgot one important question. One very important question. What in the name of all that is holy happened with Ryan Day's meat sweat versus Notre Dame or versus Northwestern? They were playing in a monsoon. There, it was. It's, it's hard to get a meat sweat going when you're playing in a monsoon. Um, Chicago does not have very good barbecue. They have excellent Italian beef. They have excellent uh, deep dish pizza, but you know, good barbecue isn't really what they do, and that's really what uh, that's where Ryan Day thrives, and that's what he needs to get a good meat sweat going. So it's an absolute disgrace. That meat sweat was an absolute disgrace. It was, but at the end of the day, it worked out. But either way, um, just going back to Lane Kiffin, I wanted to. Oh sure, yeah, you know, oh, great. <laughs> I wanted to focus on the uh, coaching search for Auburn because Lane Kiffin is apparently at the top of John Cohen's shortlist. Well, Lane so, Kiffin's at the top of – he is. Um, he is. Um, oh, wait, dude. I'm sorry. Before we get to the Auburn coaching search, hold on. I, I, I forgot. I had a part two of that, that particular question. Very quick, okay? Give me your top two Heisman Trophy candidates right now. Um. I don't, I don't even know. I mean, CJ Stroud, sometimes he looks great and he can take over a game. Other times he looks like, you know, a true freshman quarterback that's never played at the D1 level. You know, sometimes some of the reads that he makes are incredibly impressive. Yep. But then again, some of the checkdowns that he makes, it's like, why did you do that? You know, you there was another receiver wide open eight yards beyond where you threw it. And it's yep. on it's on third and three. And he checks it down and, you know, the guy's just tackled immediately in the flat. And it's just that's that kind of stuff drives you crazy. But you look at the numbers overall, you look at mm. what he did, you know, against Notre Dame um, in the first game when Notre Dame was ranked number five. The total package, I think he's still the favorite, but that's not necessarily because he's taken over the race. It's because mm. Hooker at Tennessee has a bad game and is exposed against, uh, you know, Georgia where he doesn't throw for a single touchdown and, you know, I think his quarterback rating was 59 or 60 or something like that. Um, I'm CJ, so glad that you said that name, though, dude, because CJ, CJ Stroud's last week, you know, was uh, um, I mean, he only completed 50 percent of, of his passes last week as well. But yeah. he, had, he had a touchdown mixed in there, whereas, um, you know, Hooker didn't. Then you look at Bryce Young, you know, preseason favorite hasn't really been that impressive. I don't even think he's, you know, in the top three or four right now. Um, right. Blake Corum, the running back out of Michigan, is is now, I think, officially number three um, as far as Vegas is concerned. But running back winning the Heisman is extremely difficult. Uh, Jim Harbaugh flapped his gums, as he always does, and he says that you could put him – you could put his numbers up there so far throughout the season with any other running back that's, that's won the Heisman in, in recent memory, and that's not true. He doesn't have quite – he's not on pace to have quite as many touchdowns quite as many rushing yards. Um, I mean, Reggie Bush, when he didn't win the Heisman that one year where he didn't win it, um, 
I mean, he had over 2,600 all-purpose yards. And uh, Corum is is on pace for about 1,700 right now. So it's not really a comparison. I think it will go to a quarterback. Uh, we'll have to see what Hooker does the rest of the way. I think Hooker is still in the driver's seat um, just because of the opponents that, that he has uh, coming up. And he'll be playing with a chip on his shoulder. C.J. Stroud, I think it's all going to come down to the final week of the season against Michigan. And if he goes out and has a big game, um, against that team up north, and I think that that solidifies, you know, mm. a Heisman for him. Uh, I'm gonna go super quick. Um, Hooker, you said that last time. One. What's that? <laughs> you said that 16 minutes ago. Sorry, Hooker. Yeah, my number one. Um, C.J. Stroud, my number two. I'm gonna give you a dark horse for number three, and you're gonna hate it. Uh, Bo Nix. I was gonna say the exact same thing. Yeah, Bo Nix. I think Dan Lanning has transformed him. And I think that's an indictment against uh, Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson. Mm-hmm. And I know that's where we're going next is the Auburn head coaching search. Well, yeah, I, Dan Lanning's name has been thrown in there. You know, I mean, we we mentioned that Lane Kiffin is the favorite at the moment. Dan Lanning's name popped up saying that there was mutual interest because there was a report, you know, that may or may not be true. Who yeah, knows with these, with these head coaching searches, they all they all have their people who go out and float you know, different ideas and yeah, different rumors on their behalf. Um, but uh, officially, you know, Hugh Freeze, I think is still the odds on favorite as we enter what week two, week three of this coaching search week, week two anyway. Well, they're not going to announce anything until after the iron bowl, but uh, oh, well, I, I mean, that- I don't think they're going to announce anything until, you know, really we start to get into the bowl game season because a lot of the people that they're going to want to interview are going to be playing, you know, pretty deep into the bowl game season, certainly through the third or fourth week of, of December, if not later. But you I would have think to look that, at a clip, dude. And I'm just, just going to tell you this. You got to look at a clip of Greg McElroy was asked this question about who is going to be the next head coach for the football team at Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. And this was on the heels of the announcement that John, I think this was on the heels of John Cohen saying, or somebody saying that John Cohen saying that Lane Kiffin's the number one choice, right? Yeah. Number one choice, but not necessarily odds on favorite. No, 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 no. That's his, no, that's apparently is the number one choice. Is he the odds on favorite? Who knows? Okay. But let me just say this. Greg McElroy had a very interesting line that I thought was very, uh, was very kind of astute. You make Lane Kiffin say no. Yeah. Okay. No, for sure. And you, you make him say no. You brought up a really interesting point uh, when we were talking about this um, uh, just last week, actually, that the appeal, because I was struggling to see the appeal for for Lane Kiffin to leave Ole Miss. I mean, right. so far this season, he's got Ole Miss playing like a bona fide top 10 team. Of course big, he does. Big test this upcoming weekend, like we talked about with Alabama. But yep. they're playing extremely well. He's got his his group of players. They they clearly like playing for him. They look motivated. They look disciplined. And it looks like he's having fun. And he's has built that program exactly the way that he wanted to build it. He's installed his offense and it works. So why would he want to leave a top 10 program in the SEC and to go to what Auburn? What did I tell you would be the reason? You told me that the reason would be that. Auburn has what eleven million dollars in NIL uh, funds that they've raised. That's actually fifteen. 
15, 15 million dollars in NIL I've heard 11 funds. to 15 somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. So yeah, I mean, well north of 10 anyway. And Ole Miss NIL money you said was was barely half of that. So if Lane Kiffin really wants to assemble the roster that that he really envisions with with really not many restrictions um, in the NIL era and in the transfer area, you know, he's got a much better shot of doing that. It sounds like at Auburn, and that might be a big enough draw. Auburn certainly has enough well, money coming into the football program and the athletic program as a whole uh, to justify a big contract to go get Lane Kiffin. Um, there's and- also one important segment to that argument mm-hmm. about why I think Lane Kiffin would be good. You got the NIL money, sure, but remember what I told you about Atlanta. Atlanta is a target-rich environment for young talent that yeah, you want to recruit. Yeah, and you're right there. And he's so much closer in Auburn versus in Oxford. And and Auburn has always been able to recruit, you know, down to Florida yep. as well. Um, I believe that they get into Texas, okay, you know, every now and then. And and Auburn is Auburn. It's a it's a storied program, um, you know. A lot of these players are going to be young enough to remember, um, you know, what Cam Newton was like coming out of Auburn. And, you know, maybe they don't remember watching him live for that whole season or whatever it was, but they certainly know the type of player that Cam Newton was at Auburn. And they're well aware of the uh, of the kick six game and, you know, what that meant to college football. It still means to Greatest college. moment of my life. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're aware of all these – these Auburn moments that they've had over the years. Um, I mean, even yeah. just last year for as much of a dumpster fire as Auburn currently is just last year, they take Alabama to overtime in, in the Auburn bowl. Last no, 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 no. Regular season. Four overtimes. Four overtimes. Exactly. Like I was there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Auburn can show up and ball with the best of them, you know, yeah. on, on their best day. That is still a big part of their identity. And, if Lane Kiffin wants to kind of write that next chapter, maybe he sees a good opportunity to do it. And, you know, I'm sure he still has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder being Lane Kiffin at all that he wants to knock out, you know, Nick Saban. So maybe he's the guy that, you know, really reestablishes Auburn at the top of the iron bowl rivalry. Just, but, but if you think about it though, I mean, first of all, Brian Harson gone, Thank God we turned the page from him. That was just <laughs> a mess of a hire from the very beginning. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, and it just was that. That's all I'm going to say about that. That was just a mess of a hire. But you have to remember what was the one thing that you and I would always share a mutual laugh about when Nick Saban was the Alabama. I'm sorry, when Lane Kiffin was the Alabama offensive coordinator. Oh, it was Every always Nick time. Saban just absolutely dressing him down up and down oh, the sideline. Absolutely, like a you know, like a small child. But just imagine for one second, Lane Kiffin, the next head football coach at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Oh man, the Iron Bowl is going to get <laughs> that much better. I'm just saying. Do you think it, any of these great. any of these outside, you know, kind of candidates like we've talked about Hugh Freeze, we've, we've talked about Lane Kiffin. We There's touched, one name you haven't talked about yet. I know, and you want to say it. Deion Urban Sanders. My- yeah, Deion Sanders, exactly. Yeah, not Urban Meyer. <laughs> no, Urban Meyer has Meyer a cushy TV not, deal. Urban Meyer is not the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ of college football, as much as you like to think he is. And you think the Coach Prime is. Got it. 
Well, listen, the man's got more <laughs> swagger than Urban Meyer. Okay, Coach Prime's got more swagger in his pinky finger than Urban Meyer does his entire body. Hey, Coach Prime could could head out to Auburn and I think win six games right now. Honestly. I absolutely. But you know what, dude? And you said this after uh Auburn lost in uh old, uh, uh overtime to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. You know who's gonna be another dark horse right now? Cadillac Williams. You know it. And yeah. I and I you know what? I'm gonna tell you right now, if Lane Kiffin said no. If somehow Hugh Freeze said no, um, I think that if Hugh Freeze ends up taking the job, I'm betting you all the money in my pocket that Hugh Freeze is told from the higher ups, you are going to keep Cadillac Williams as your offensive coordinator. Yeah, I would. I would hope so. I mean, if if and they don't, someone else is going to come in and and and, and snatch. You damn me. right. Any yeah. smart football coach is going to see the fight that the Auburn football team had with uh, Cadillac last week mm-hmm. and go from there. Exactly. And and now we have to move on, but that's all I'm going to say. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think that they're going to rush this decision. I do think that they're going to want to talk to Lanning. I do think that they're obviously going to want to talk to Kiffin. Um I think that they're going to want to talk to Deion Sanders too, you know, so they're going to have to wait until after the season when they can really kind of get a good idea of, of who might actually seriously entertain an offer and go from there. So it's not going to resolve itself quickly and it certainly shouldn't, you know, it's. Well, um, yeah, well they said Deion's going to be a serious <laughs> contender, but you know, probably not the favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm betting my top three that are going to be the top three most serious choices and no particular, well, kind of in a particular order, Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze, mm-hmm. Deion Sanders. That's my top three. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty solid top three. That's kind of, you know, that's that's what we're hearing at this point. But yep. who would you prefer out of that group? Oh, man. Who would I prefer out of that group? <sighs> who would get you to say, wow, as an Auburn alum, I'm going to double my annual donation to $10? You know what? Honest to God, dude, and this is not hedging my bets, I would be okay with any of those four guys that we talked about. Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, Dion, or even Cadillac. Yeah, Cadillac. How about Dan Lanning? No. Dan Lanning is not leaving Oregon. Not with that Phil Knight money behind him. There's no chance. Yeah, no, I don't think so. He'll get he'll get an extension after this season for sure. Yeah, too. whoever whoever I'll tell you something right now. Whoever leaked that is a genius because that's <laughs> gonna make sure Dan Lanning gets millions more. Yeah, absolutely. We got some World Series to talk about, don't we? Well, yeah, I was just gonna say, speaking of getting millions more, how about yeah. um Mattress Mac cashing in the largest uh, bet ever placed. First of all, ever. what a baller name that is. I don't know anything about this guy. I saw Neither his photo I. for the first time three, four days ago, whenever the hell the World Series ended. Um, Who the hell names their kid Mattress? That better be a nickname. I don't care. It doesn't matter because he's he's sleeping on a bet of money at this point. Ten, oh, I see what you did there. I $10 see what you did million there. Dollar bet. On the Houston Astros when they were plus seventy five hundred to win the World Series, he cashed for seventy five million, biggest single payday uh, for a sports bet um, ever. I was going to say it's got to be ever. Congratulations uh, to him, but yeah, I wanted to kind of lead with that because obviously Mattress Mac, you know, he had a lot riding on this World Series. He stood to make like thirty million dollars either way because he also had a big bet on Philly. So good for him. But I mean, watching this World Series. I usually enjoy 
you know, watching the World Series a lot. Um, you get really good pitching matchups. It's when the superstars of the sport really shine. Uh, you can look forward to, you know, obviously the big name players coming up and when they're due up in the lineup, but you also learn a lot about the role players and you learn their strengths and weaknesses and watching it develop over, you know, four, five, six, seven games. Um, yep. You learn a lot, you know, about the whole team and what makes them a championship contending team. And the first time that I remember doing that was kind of the, the 2004 Boston Red Sox, not a Boston Red Sox fan, the stocks. but I mean, I could tell you something about damn near everybody on that team, you know, all the way from, you know, your Manny Ramirez's and your David Ortiz's all the way down to, you know, like your Pokey Reese and your Doug Mankiewicz's. So Pokey Reese, there's a name see? I haven't thought of in a long time. <laughs> but Good it's job out of you on that one, dude. It's funny how you watch World Series baseball kind of with a different mindset of not, you know, if it's not your team, maybe you're not rooting for one team versus the other, but you're engaged. Oh, I was rooting for Houston out of spite. Ah, see, I just I, I, I will never be able to root for Houston, especially they still had four guys on the team from 2017. And yeah, well, you're an A's fan, so I understand that. Yeah, but it's not like it's a traditional rivalry. I mean, are you this, trying to say to me that you don't think the A's and the Astros have some sort of a rivalry? Not really. I totally disagree. They've only been in the AL West for a handful of years. What are you I talking mean, about? They've been in the AL West for at least a decade. No, they were in the National League. But dude, that was in like the early 2000s before the realignment. But no one noticed until like 2018. Yeah, well, I totally disagree, dude. I, I, I mean, A's I and Texas Rangers a, is a much bigger rivalry. A's no, and Mariners is a much bigger rivalry. A's and Angels is, you know, that's probably the rivalry of, of the I gotta disagree over with the you years. on that, dude. I, I got I to gotta totally disagree with you on that. I think the Rangers are irrelevant in baseball right now. I mean, do they have a nice new stadium? Absolutely. They are right now, sure. But, I mean, going back, you know, years and years and years. I'll even say the Angels are irrelevant. I mean, it's Mike Trout and nobody else at the moment. And I think, you know. Well, it's Mike I, Trout and then, you know, the best player in baseball. I'm Shohei sorry, Shohei Otani. I forgot about Shohei Otani. Excuse me. My bad. <laughs> but, dude, I'm telling you, I don't know where I was going with that because I'm just saying – um, Houston, I, I we beat them last year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, any of our followers or soon to be followers should know that I am an unapologetic Braves fan. And, you know, I, my allegiances will sometimes make me look petty when it comes to big time games. I don't really care what anybody thinks about me when I say that out loud. I don't care what that makes me look like. I don't care if it makes me look petty. I don't give a damn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I rooted for, Houston, even though they have a less than casual relationship with playing and not cheating. Um, I rooted for them out of spite because I can't stand uh, Phillies. I, I've never, you know how much I can't stand that team. Um, I can't stand the Mets. I can't stand the, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's rivalry, pure and simple. Okay. Um, you don't like the Angels. You don't like the Astros. You don't like the Rangers. You know what I'm talking about being an A's fan. Okay, so I am glad that Houston won, and I think that there is uh, a balance to the force now. Uh, and again, that's just me saying that out of spite, and I don't care what anybody says. Only reason why it didn't completely suck to see Houston win was was Trey Mancini. It was good to see him get a ring after mm. he's been through with cancer. What and all a that. great story that is! Yeah. And a lot of people are saying Dusty Baker. Oh, it's good to see him. You know, finally get a World Series, and it's like. 
he's just, I will say yes to this because he got screwed by the Washington Nationals. Yeah, he just kind of seems to be a guy that if you hang around long enough, you'll kind of fall into one. But I don't right. I don't think a Dusty Baker is like a real, you know, championship winning manager. If he was, I don't either. He would have done it by now. Like you know, I, you know what he is, dude? I just thought of this, and this is interesting. You may or may not get this connection. Do you remember that really shitty Dane Cook movie where No. Okay, so Dane <laughs> Cook was like the guy where it yeah, about, I, I remember Dane Cook, yeah. But. Right, but no, the movie was about how every girl he hooked up with, like he ran into a string of bad luck, every girl he hooked up with, he was like the guy before that girl found the, you know, got married or some shit like that, right? That is who Dusty Baker is. Dusty Baker is the manager who um, basically sets everything up for the next guy because um, I could go – use an example of a sport that we said we were never going to talk about, but I'm not going to go that far. Um, Dusty Baker, who was the manager of the nationals. Okay. And the nationals let him go, but mm-hmm. you know, the giants. Okay. So the giants came around. When, when, when did Dusty Baker leave the giants? Do you remember? I, I don't recall. No, it was a, a long time ago. So, I mean, yeah. Pre about this. Right. Who was the manager of the Giants after Dusty Baker? Mm-hmm. Okay. Pretty sure it was Bruce Bochy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Dusty Let's Baker. See. Dusty Baker was the guy before the guy that won it all. Okay. Yeah, he I mean, yeah, he, he, he left in, in 02, you know, kind of after that Barry Bonds era. Right. So then when did Bochy come in? Bruce Bochy. I don't have Bruce Bochy knowledge off the top of my head. There's so somebody I'm not remembering. You'll, I can't you'll have to is. excuse my Googling real, real quick. That's fine. But let me, while you're Googling, let me just say this. Bochy, uh, Bochy in, came in 2007. Okay. So, so maybe five, it's not five year gap there, but I mean, but 07 was when the giants, you know, really kind of started to, to take off and. Okay. Well then there you go. So maybe it doesn't line up with that analogy. Like not exactly, but. It's close enough. But if you look at the teams that the Giants had when Dusty Baker was there, like if he was really a championship winning manager, like in and of his own right, they would have won a fucking championship. But that's all by way of saying that he was, he always kind of got shafted and was never able to see. He was never the guy. He was always the guy before the guy, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I don't know. I'm 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 happy for I'm happy for him. I think he deserves it, and um, I'm 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 thrilled for because I he I don't know much about Dusty Baker because you know as you know I'm not a Giants fan and I damn sure I'm not a Nats fan. And you're not but, a Reds fan either. I take it. Oh God, no! <laughs> Who would be a Reds fan? <laughs> I, I actually I know a, I know a few. <laughs> I know a lot of people that would be offended by that, but I don't really care. So hey, they got um, a skyline chili out there in center field. So okay, first of all, I get heard that box. Oh, I dude, it's so is, good. I heard that is damn good. Okay, a lot of, it's it's the Taco Bell chili, but I mean, you oh, really see, can't now go you wrong. just made my stomach hurt. I feel like I had. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're yeah, you're you're, um, you're walking out of the Great American Ballpark, fucking hurt. Oh, or else I'm you're not sure doing you got it. Right. A lead brick in your stomach, dude. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so now you just you distracted me with chili. I can't remember where I was going with that remark. <laughs> but um, I, basically, look, getting back to Dusty Baker, I think he's a good guy, and I'm happy for him. Um, I think it's a long time coming, and I, you know, 
He already said he's coming back for next year. But if I'm Dusty Baker, he's 72 years old, dude. That's true. Yeah. Here's the thing. At that point in your career, okay, your kids are grown. You don't have any kid. You don't have family to support. You have your wife, obviously. You know, and maybe you have like kids and grandkids and whatever. I don't know how old his kids are, but I'll never forget the the image of Dusty Baker carrying his crying son out of the Giants dugout against the Angels in the World Series that year, right? Yeah. Um, don't make your kid I'm, cry. What's that? Don't make your kid cry. Thank you. Like parenting um, but 101. If I'm Dusty Baker, here's the Come thing. Come on, though. Dusty. Well, Dusty's a baseball <laughs> lifer, okay? Mm-hmm. If I'm Dusty Baker, what more do you have left to prove as a manager? Yeah, no, this proves it. I mean, I he's got his ring. Yeah, he's going. He's going to be in Cooperstown, and and Houston just offered him an extension for next year too. So I, I would well, imagine he, he takes it. Yeah. Coming back next year, but dude, right? Here's this is this is my this is my thinking on this. Why would you want to come back and just retire? It's like the golden story, dude. Retire at the top of the mountain. That's what I'm saying. Like. Take the toothpick, take the latex gloves, send them to Cooperstown, and write off. Go spend the rest of your life being immortalized in Cooperstown. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Exactly. But you know, I mean, cashing in on one more payday, you know that that doesn't suck either. And listen, go get that money, dude. I I I get it. Houston's core, Houston's core, really isn't going anywhere. And I mean, I. The only question mark that I have about Houston is what's Verlander going to do. But I mean, Verlander was was I mean, wouldn't he hurt a majority of the season? Yeah, he was he was banged up a little bit early on. But um, I mean, he comes back and he's pumping ninety five, ninety seven in November. I mean, he's that's so good, dude. He's that's so incredible. good. It was I I had a note in here, you know that. A lot of people didn't, you know, really enjoy watching this World Series. It was the second lowest rated World Series. Uh, well, yeah, because ever. I mean, Houston and Philadelphia, not really big sports markets. Well, <laughs> Philly, I guess, but. No, but I was thinking, I was like, I actually enjoyed watching this World Series. I kind of told myself early on um, when when Houston knocked off the Yankees. And I wasn't thrilled about watching the Yankees versus the Phillies either, you know, or, or whatever. But yeah, still, it's like. I wasn't thrilled about watching Houston because top to bottom in that lineup, they didn't have a ton of like exciting guys that I really wanted to root for. Like it's not hard to root for Aaron judge when he comes up to bat and it's Ooh, not by hard the to way, root for like you know Carlos Stanton. Yankee fans better sit down and shut up about Aaron judge. Oh, that for sure. Single handedly his bat single handedly brought you to the fucking postseason. Yeah. And you have the gall and the stones and the balls and the chutzpah to boo his at ooh, that pissed me off. If I'm Aaron Judge, oh, I was pissed. Yeah, he's I take he's three, I, he's I take three hundred million dollars from the Mets. I go across town and I look in the nearest camera and I give that camera a mill finger to all of the Yankee fans and say, "Watch this, bro! Mm-hmm. I'm about to take the Yankees. I'm sorry, the Mets to the postseason on the regular. Sit down and shut up." Yeah, and and he he still could, you know. D D H in the National League, he'll have all thirty teams. Or screw it, go to Red the Sox. Whatever you can do to you know <laughs> cause as much pain to Yankee fans and spite them, because you know I'm a pretty spiteful person when it comes to sports. Oh, dude, Aaron um, Judge wearing out the Green Monster. No, 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 no. You say it right, the monster, the monster, the Green Monster. Yeah, right? I mean that that would be something. 
Oh, dude, you know how many dents he would put in that thing? Lord have mercy. Just launch him over. He um, would, he would he, he'd hit 70 home runs in that yard. Dude, Lansdowne Street would just – is it Lansdowne Street that's over the Monster? Did mm -hmm. I get that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, dude, he would just wear out those windows across the way. Um, <laughs> so, dude, I know we're running up against the time here, but um, I know you wanted to talk about uh, Week 10 coming up in the NFL to wrap things up for the day, right? Well, yeah, I mean, especially just, you know, kind of touching on, on Week 9, and it's – Oh, yeah, yeah it's, I got my weeks backwards. My bad. Well, I mean, yeah, week week ten is is coming up this weekend. I think we just finished week nine, but like the NFL is, it's the NFL's bipolar this year. I was just gonna say, is it just me or is the season seem kind of stale so far? I I just can't like really get into it at the league level week after week. Like no. usually by now, there are some interesting storylines that you know you're following with you know some really really good teams that it's like wow, like that team is fun to watch. But I thought the Broncos were going to be fun to watch with Russell Wilson, but he shit the bed right as soon as he got there. Well, this season, all the teams that should be fun to watch suck ass. And, and you know, the teams that are actually fun to watch now are teams that I would have never pegged. Look at the Jets, dude. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I would have Look never thought, Giants. like, wow, watching Jets football is really exciting. You know what, dude? I'm watching the Giants on TV whipping ass, and my first thought is, oh, my God, Christine's got to be loving this. Yeah. Like, the Giants, I mean, I don't know how the Giants win football games. The Giants should be completely defeated at 0-8. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised that they got through their, their bye week without taking an L. But like, Well, Brian Dable is the man, that's why. Brian Dable has that team fucking ready to run through several walls on his yeah. behalf. Daniel Jones, week after week, puts that team literally on his back and – He's, he's kind of living up to his nickname of Danny Dimes. Well, yeah, but he's not really throwing the fucking thing because he's running for his life, but he makes it work. You know, like he'll. Well, he's not throwing the thing because he's got Saquon Barkley back, which I'm guaranteeing you. Barkley's playing. A, what's that? Barkley's playing the best football that he's played in like two or three years. And I guarantee you that's why the Giants are seeing success mm -hmm. is because they're not as reliant on Daniel Jones throwing the ball with Saquon Barkley back in the lineup. And they have they have some names on that offensive line. Like Dude. they they yeah. should be like a top five, you know, offensive line in the game. But that offensive line is banged up. You know, there's there's guys that aren't, you know, fully playing up to their potential. Um I'm gonna give you a name. Um, Sorry, go ahead, dude. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, a healthy Andrew Thomas would be like a beast, but he can't stay healthy. And when he is healthy, he can't find any consistency. And like, I really thought that that was going to be like the next great left tackle in the league. And yeah. that, that was going to be a game changer for them. And he's had yeah. his moments, but he really kind of hasn't lived up to that moniker yet. Um, and then they got, you know, uh, who is it? Evan Neal um, out of Alabama, actually, who's another, you know, fantastic uh, tackle. Um They've got some dudes on that offensive line, and when they put it all together, and they yep. have Saquon back there, and Daniel Jones, you know, offers the threat of a rush, then it all comes together. But even when it doesn't all come together, Saquon is still making insane plays. Just on as long own. as they get shit all over the Cowboys, that's all I care about. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Cowboys dude, defense could be for real. Let me give you a name, me give you a name uh, as the uh, you know, I, I would say the emperor of where the hell did this come from? <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I couldn't think of a more clever name to, to preface that, but, um, dude, where in the holy mother of God has Geno Smith come from all of a sudden? 
yeah, I'm, I'm pissed off because I just lost to him in fantasy this week, and he didn't even really have, you know, that great of a game like he has been. But, you know, I don't know. Is that is that a Pete Carroll? about a career resurgence, dude? Are you kidding me? Well, is that a Pete Carroll influence of just really knowing how well, to work with that type Pete of a Carroll? quarterback? Well, I don't know. I, I, that's either a Pete Carroll influence. I don't know who Seattle's offensive coordinator is, but, I mean, there is like – Every year, you know how we see in the NFL, every year there's a team that's not really a Cinderella story, but their their offensive play is like, oh, my God, where has this come from? Yeah. Right? And I think that this year, that's Geno Smith for me, which, you know what? I love it for the guy because, quite frankly, there is a lot of time when Geno Smith looked like he was a bust. And he had a piss-poor attitude, and it looked like he was going to play his way out of the league. But – you know, Seattle decided to move on from Russell Wilson. And then I think, you know, getting him a couple of stud receivers and getting him some playmakers. Um, I, I mean, just look at what a kind of a difference maker that is, dude. That's crazy. It is. And I mean, I'm going to give Pete Carroll a lot of credit because the more that I think about it, he, it, it doesn't matter who Seattle has. Yeah. They've, they're always going to have good quarterback play with Pete Carroll. And Geno, right. Geno Smith kind of proves that this year. They're right. always going to have a strong running game. And those two things go hand in hand. And when you look at their offense, yeah. one always feeds the other. It's just the sport of football. If you prove that you can run it, all of a sudden, you know, play action is going to be that much, much more meaningful. Those safeties are going to start creeping up a little bit more in the box. And your yep. receivers are going to be able to go over the top. And if you have a great passing game, you know, then that opens up the running game because those those safeties have to stay back and respect the wide receivers and the deep ball. Yep. And, yep. you know, you're not going to be run blitzing as much uh, because you're going to want to drop guys more back into coverage to take away those little, you know, five to six yard passes to the tight end over the middle. Pete Carroll does yep. – he does all that shit. Like, he uses the whole field and he knows exactly when to dial up what play so that not only is that play that he calls in the moment successful – Every single yeah. play that he calls after that has a better chance to be successful because of what he's able to set up. So I, I, a, I, I think it's a lot of scheme. Guy. Wasn't he an offensive guy in the NFL, or was he a defensive guy? I don't, I don't know, but just – I mean, even going back to, to his teams at, at USC, they always had good uh, good quarterback play and good yeah. running back play. Yeah, that's true. Um, so he's, what he's about, always coached his, his players up you know, a level or two. Uh, yeah. with his style of play. So what about uh, what about Week 10, other than my Niners just absolutely kicking the ass of the L.A. Chargers this, this week? Um, That's probably possible because so? the Chargers always find a way to just completely shit the bed on the biggest stage possible. Well, that you, is their well, you, remember you and I saw your current quarterback when we were in Dallas when he was with Oregon, and – Granted, I really don't remember a lot from that game for obvious reasons, but, um, you know, Justin, I think, has um, – Justin Herbert, he has definitely grown as a quarterback. Because remember – do you remember when he airmailed the end zone in that last play of the game? Yeah, I was thinking, oh, you know, this is typical, you know, Pac-12 quarterback, you. and I'm like, ah, I can't, can't do it under pressure on the big stage. Yeah, I remember when I looked at you and I'm like, this guy – is not going to do a damn thing in the next level. Boy, was I wrong. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking, guy, like, cool, this, guy, is, this is Matt Barkley all over again. <laughs> oh, Lord. Matt Barkley. Well done. Yeah, there's okay. a name. <laughs> yeah, there's a name. Or I was going to say John David Booty. 
Yeah, see? I don't, yeah, I don't recall. I don't much. even know if I got that right. But no, no. Um, so jokes aside, dude, um, I'm thinking about a week 10 matchup that I'm particularly interested in. You know how much I wish misery on, I'm taking the Stephen A. Smith uh, approach and I'm saying I wish misery on Cowboy fans because they're just, they're just the most out of touch fan base aside from Philly fans. Uh, and, or and Raider all, fans. Or, or Raider fans. Good God, Raider fans. Um, <laughs> Dude, I'm 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 looking at the Cowboys uh, Packers matchup in uh, in Green Bay. I think if there's going to be a game where Aaron Rodgers uh, gets back on track, um, it's going to be against the Cowboys. Although Micah Parsons worries me because he's um, a lot of people have said he's the second coming of Lawrence Taylor, and um, you know that's I think high he's praise. disruptive. I mean, yeah, he's you know, yeah, he's, he's damn disruptive. good. I I, I do, but this kind of goes hand in hand with what you were saying about about football this year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Dude, every week there's a lot of stale matchups, right? That's the one matchup that I'm looking forward to because okay, Falcons Panthers on uh Thursday night football, two 500 teams. Yeah, no, I'm not watching that. Mm-hmm. Um I'm obviously going to look at um Chargers 49ers, that's Sunday night football, okay? Mm-hmm. Um so our two teams are going to square off on Sunday night football. Obviously going to watch that, right? Um, Seahawks, Bucks. No, I don't really care about that. I mean, touchdown Tommy is not really, you know, impressing me this year. Lions and Bears, not really. Vikings, Bills, that looks boring. Broncos. No, dude, Vikings and Bills, that's that's what I've got circled. Yes, yeah, I don't know. Well, got the I, Bills. Look, look well I mean, it depends on the health of, of Josh Allen, I guess. But well, yeah, because his elbow, they're they're looking at his elbow, right? Yeah, like UCL injury, like you know, Tommy yeah, John. Dude. Like that's There's that's just, crazy. There's just not a lot of games that I'm that I'm really intrigued about on a weekly basis, and I just this season I think we you and I both kind of talked about it. This season is really stale. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it's just been hard to kind of get storylines going. But you know, for me, yeah. the Bills, big storyline. Um, they 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 are fun to watch. Like I will watch the Bills. You know, if I'm if I'm out of my way to watch team, I'm jumping on the Bills Mafia. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. Vikings, I want to start with the Bills fans. Vikings is kind of another team, kind of like the Giants, where it's like, wait, like how how do they have this record? Like how yeah. how are the Vikings seven and one, one lost team? <laughs> I, I mean, in, in the universe of who the hell knew that was ever going to happen, I think the Vikings are pretty much right up there with that. Oh, for sure. I mean, Kirk Kirk Cousins, uh, he's he's one yard away from from throwing for two thousand yards. On the season at this point. And then there was that viral video of him dancing shirtless on the team plane. I'm like, dude, I can't unsee that. Thanks for that. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can totally try to do that, but then I would look like a jackass, which you and I both know I look like a jackass for many other things. But you're fine. you're perfectly capable. Well, I look and sound like a jackass enough times where I am perfectly capable. That's very true. Yeah. So um, I mean that's that's one that, that I'm looking forward to. Uh one o'clock Eastern. On Sunday, so yeah, get us started early with a good That's matchup. That's the Vikings there. game. Yeah, that is yeah. the Vikings game. Um, yeah, I mean, like just running down the schedule, like you've got you know, Chargers five and three, a very, a very interesting five and three. I, I don't know how the te- how the hell that team is five and three, but they well, are. so the Niners are uh, the Niners are favored by a touchdown, but I have a feeling that's only because they're at home. Yeah, and they're they're four and four. They're they're a five hundred team. Right then, okay. Like I'm just I'm just running down the schedule here. Chargers are at the top of mind because they're my favorite team in the league. Yeah. Seahawks, Seahawks, Buccaneers. You have 
six and three versus four and five. Then you get to Vikings Bills that we talked about, seven and one versus six and two. Then you get to Lions and Bears, <coughs> two dumpster fires of, of teams right now. Although Bears coming off, you know, a pretty big win and an exciting game for Justin Fields, but two and six versus three and six. Broncos Titans, three and five versus five and three. Jags Chiefs, three and six versus six and two. Mm. Browns Dolphins, three and five versus six and three. And it goes on. And if you just look at win-loss records, yeah, the only matchup this week where both teams have a winning record is Vikings and Bills. <clears throat> yeah, that just and it's like why, like that's that's why that's just an example, you know, numbers-wise of why I just can't get into this NFL season top to bottom. I don't care about the the manufactured storylines of, you know, Tom Brady and you know will it or won't it be his last year this time around. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, without Devontae Adams and, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Although I'm trade rumors about Aaron Rodgers, but we can cover oh, that. Oh, well, yeah, but fucking run it back. You know, like, yeah. who cares? I mean, the, the trade deadline came and went, and Aaron Rodgers is still playing very mediocre football in Green Bay, same as he was, to, you know, uh, a year to two years ago. So it's like. You're starting to hear more about why, um, uh, what's his name, went to uh, the Raiders. Why am I blanking on his name? Devontae Adams. Thank you. Why Devontae left and went to the Raiders, right? Yeah, and then, you know, like you've got the Raiders who are supposed to have all these weapons at wide receiver, you know, Hunter Renfro coming off a career year, and you've got Devontae hurt, Adams. Right? Uh, no, Renfro is one guy who, at least at least last week he wasn't hurt. I honestly don't know if maybe he got hurt on Sunday or something. But, gotcha. um, okay. but yeah, he, he has not had the volume of targets that you would expect, but – Adams yeah. has kind of taken over that slot, you know, Swiss Army knife type receiver while also still being able to be a deep guy for them. And it's kind of like Renfro, maybe he is one dimensional. And now that they have Adams, they don't need that one dimension that he provides. So, yeah, like they, either way, they should be a lot better. They've got one of the best running backs in the league and Josh Jacobs. Um, they have one of the pass, best pass rushing defenses in the league, at least when you look at the names on that defensive line. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they're just not playing very good football. And, you know, maybe maybe that's a Josh McDaniels thing. Um, they say that he's not on the hot seat, but you never know, you know, which way Mark Davis. Dude, it's so impossible to figure it's out. going to make up his mind. Thing. Yeah. So I don't think he's on the hot seat, to be honest. But yeah. Well, I guess time will Yes, time will right, tell. Well, and, well, yeah, speaking of time, that's going to pretty much – cover all the time that we have for this week yeah and uh, uh nick saban you're no longer suspended indefinitely although you know <laughs> we'll see what happens after this weekend but uh um dude hey what a great inaugural show yeah good for a show um next week hopefully uh we'll have alex gratis on with us um alex has been a sports broadcaster uh in the chicago radio market uh previously um he hosted a sports talk show uh, in uh, in wonderful, I believe it was Beulah, North Dakota for KDKT out there. Um, well, that sounds pretty tropical out there. Yeah, this dude has called every single sport that you can imagine from hockey to uh, basketball, which is the sport that we will never cover on this show, um, <laughs> to, uh, to baseball for us here in Palm Springs for the Palm Springs Power and the California Winter League. Uh, so hopefully we can get him on here. He was supposed to be on here tonight, had some technical difficulties. Um you know, because we're we're still ironing everything out here, so we'll find a way to get him uh, 
either over here to the house uh, with me next week um, or get him in a place where, you know, he's got a steady connection for us. So that'll be cool. Um, Eventually, we're going to get uh, Christine Herb on the show as well. You know, our partner and, and our, our other partner in, uh, in all of this. And uh, yep, absolutely. You know, Got to get her take on, on definitely on college football and the NFL. Um, she's also got really great opinions on baseball. Yeah, super knowledgeable um, in, in baseball, uh, has worked in baseball before, um, watches probably more college and professional football than than either of us maybe combined. I was just going to say, dude, there is no doubt about that. Yes, uh, so that'll be fun too um, going forward. So yeah, we'll have to figure out some, something that, uh, you know, where we can get her on as well. But uh, for now, I've done way too much talking. I've done uh, not enough drinking. Um, oh, I'm gonna absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get one beer in one hand. I'm gonna go get one beer in the other hand, and I'm gonna put those hands together, and I'm gonna drink Stone Cold Steve Austin style because that, that is so fun. That is the way to do it. But um, yeah, thank you for joining us, episode one uh, of the Suspended Indefinitely podcast, a Long Beach, Long Beach. Wow, maybe I have been drinking too much. A Long Balls and Loggers production. Yeah, um, you definitely. Wow, dude, Long Beach, really well done. <laughs> Look for it every Wednesday morning. We'll be back with you. Uh, Next week, Nick Saban, go to your room. <laughs> All right. See ya. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.